Broadway Sports Media. Hell yeah! Welcome to Football and Other F-Words. Um, we're going to call this the Will Compton edition because I'm just not even going to bury the lead. I'm going to throw it out who is on the podcast tonight. I'm going to lead with Will Compton. And I'm going to make my producer and my co-host deal with the fact that they're going to go second and third. Without further ado, Will is on. Will, how are you, sir? I'm great, man. I'm honored to be on the show now that you guys are Broadway sports. I'm stoked for you guys. Hell yes, we love it. Broadway Sports Media, we are now a week old at this point. Are we a week old? Or like six days old? We are. We are a week old. We are a fresh baby. We're at that point where we are very fragile and we can't take a lot of being dropped on the floor. I don't know why I said that two minutes into this podcast. Anyways, I'm joined by (laughs) Michael Herndon as well. He is also a Broadway Sports Media. And of course, my co-host and producer, Zach Lyons. Zach, how are you, buddy? I am doing good. Can you still hear me? I can hear you. He's sitting in the back of a truck. Okay. Just want to let you know he's sitting in the back seat of his truck recording a podcast. So. Hey, whatever, and, you know, and, I'm supposed to be working, but whatever I need to do, I do. Zach, that is a gritty move, bro. I, I respect the shit out of that move. <laughs> I'm parked the right in front of the building. Go. I just Speaking keep my eye on gritty, Why? Okay, so I saw a picture of the bus and with the boys bus, and it looks like it's inside a warehouse. Is that correct? Yeah, uh, mini warehouse, big shed, whichever term you want to use. <laughs> it looks like, have you seen Mindhunter where they capture the Unabomber and they rebuild his cabin in the warehouse the FBI did so they could investigate it? I'm sorry, that's where my mind went immediately as soon as I saw this. <laughs> hey, a lot of people get nervous coming onto the bus because it is sketchy. Like, there's, even though it might seem like we're getting better and blowing up a little bit, like, we're still the same. It we're still like the same little shithole, grit, grindy, bus, whatever word you want to use for grit. That is us, dude. But so I, keep, I keep saying I keep saying the word grit too because um, I went on PMT earlier for their mini grit week. So I, I'm like on their <laughs> grit. So I'm all about the word grit. Today. I love it, mini grit. Yeah. So please tell me someone throws open the door to this warehouse and they're like, "I'm not in the right place and I'm about to be put in a body bag." Yeah, there exactly. Uh, we have to we have to field a phone call for every guest that they're making sure they're in the right location. And we're like, it's okay, just walk in the shed. You're gonna see a bus. It's gonna be dark. Open. We're inside of that bus. Come on in that bus. <laughs> so even a even a sketchier message to get after they're trying to figure out where they're at. So I feel like that might put them in the right headspace to go onto the bus, though. You know that that kind of like sets the scene, and then they're a little bit like you know, discombobulated before y'all even get them. And then you get them fresh, you know, you get that like fresh mind wipe where they're like, I don't know, did I just survive like a life or death experience? Now I yeah. got to talk to these guys. Let's go. Yeah. Then you get to slowly, like you feel like you kind of saved their life. So you put your <laughs> arm around them and then you get anything you want out of them. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, here, take, a drink of this, take a drink of this whiskey. We're going to make this all right. Tear them down to build them back up again. Yeah. So I see that you're a 10-time risk champion on the, your whiteboard behind you. Oh, um, yeah. So are y'all playing the app game or the actual game? Uh, we're playing the actual – well, so there's the app game, the actual board game, and then also Xbox has it on Xbox. So we play oh. on Xbox. Um, we played it on the app once, but the app is 
that you can you can get that game over quick. Like there's an easy strategy involved with the game on the app because you always win when you're the attacker. Uh, but we took it to the Xbox when we were quarantined and locked down in that month of March and April and all, all of this stuff, obviously. Yeah. And uh, we just started playing Risk like every night, especially those nights where you felt like it was a school night every night. In March and April, we were heavy into video games until about like three, four in the morning some nights it felt like. (laughs) And argue, we're we're at each other's throats politicking. Because once you get to where you get a few wins under the belt, um, everyone's coming after you. They think it's a fluke. They want to try and tear you down. They, oh, it's because so-and-so works on your behalf and this, that, and the other. And there are a lot of politics come involved. We actually had to take a few days every now and then apart from each other in our group chat because guys would get so worked up. We, I play the app, and I've, I picked it up via uh, COVID and stuff, and I play almost every day, every morning, every night. And I get so mad when someone is attacking me when they clearly should not be attacking me when they have other people to be going after. It never I, works out. I rage quit I, a lot on the phone. I hear you. You got to do a great job having those conversations with a calm voice. You got to manipulate <laughs> a little bit. You got to get somebody to redirect into a better option. You got to make it seem like it's a very, it's a way better option to go that way than come into your border and mess up what you got going on. It's it's yeah. an art. Yeah, it, it's it's difficult because they don't let you chat with other people. So like you have to. I try to make alliances with everybody. Oh yeah, and yeah, then, yeah. And then just tell them to attack each other. That's my my yeah. main goal. No doubt, dude. That's hilarious. <laughs> So the last time we had you on football and other F words uh, was actually during the draft, 2018 draft. And that was the, if I'm not mistaken, was it 18 or 19? 19. Uh, 19 last year. My God. It feels like we've been in quarantine for 36 years. I know, man. It's been been a minute. But what a great day. That was a great day. And that was, if I'm not mistaken, just because I want to throw it out there, that was the first place you announced the Bussin' with the Boys podcast was on our podcast. That is correct. That is when I started talking about the podcast is coming. And you're right, dude. I, and I remember saying it and I was going home thinking like, hey, it's in the universe now. Now, yeah, now, you, have to, there. now you have to do it. <laughs> so at what point, how far into the podcast did you recording? Was there a particular time that you turned off the mics and you thought like, holy shit, we've got something here. Like not just a normal podcast. Like this is actually going to roll like a snowball downhill. Um. You mean like take off, like do really well? Yeah, yeah. I mean, at what point did you realize we have something? This is taking off. Oh, man. You know, the first one we did with Delaney, obviously we knew people would watch and look and see what we're up to because that's one thing to like you drop something and people kind of know want to know what players are doing. If you suck, then the numbers will speak for itself and everybody will be like, all right, well, this wasn't at all what we thought it was going to be. But Pro Football Talk, I wanted to say, wrote an article on Delaney about the IV situation. And you didn't feel good about it yet just because uh, you're like, all right, I, you don't know if these are the headlines you want to make, especially me because I just got done with the Titans. So it's not like I'm, trying not, I'm not trying to step on any toes or anything like that. But um, I would say – Probably when we started to go a little viral when Brave talking about cutting his piece off. <laughs> that, that, that's, that's, the first, that's the first one that where we kind of knew, hey, this episode coming out, like people are going to love that, that we had Vrabel on. I kind of loved the Arthur Smith episode and those conversations we had early on before Vrabel, um, thinking that, all right, this is going to be dope. We're getting some good feedback. 
people are still coming back or numbers are going up. So it's good that we're retaining that. But I would say the variable conversation is the one where you're like, all right, this one's, this one's going to do something because variables on there talking crazy. <laughs> Does that make you nervous? Like you were saying with Delaney, obviously the, the piece with the IV went viral and then <laughs> variable and cutting off the piece went viral. Does that make you nervous? Is there a moment where you think, Oh shit, that came off our podcast. Like how is this going to come across? Yeah, for sure. Just because again, like, um, um, I wasn't on the team that next year at the time. I knew Taylor was, and obviously uh, yeah. you're trying to do everything in your power knowing that he's one of the faces of the franchise to not mess anything up because you know the idea and the concept is seems awesome because there's, there wasn't anything like it. And you're just, uh, you're just hoping you don't screw up because we, you know, we're trying to make sure we're not having anything out there that can be taken out of context. Um, but the beautiful thing now is I want to say I got misquoted like last week um, with uh, Sports Illustrated. Sports Illustrated came out talking about misquoting me in a podcast talking about my time in Washington. And the headline was, my time there was basically miserable. And they always told me that there's a thousand other people that would want my job. And I was like, what in the fuck? And I was like, uh, you know, I know obviously I can be forgetful, CTE, that whole thing. So I text my, our producer and I was like, hey, I didn't say anything like this, did I? Like, I, I, what is this? He's like, hell no. He sent me the clip and they basically misquoted me because I was quoting one of, uh, one of the victims from all the stuff that came out on the Washington football team. I'll call them by the right name. And, um, but I remember the, the beauty of also having your own podcast and stuff is you can also control your own narrative because you have your own receipts as well. Like you can grab the clip and be like, Hey, here's, here's the clip that you are trying to make headlines on basically that you're trying to make clicks on. And unfortunately sports illustrated not only wrote about it, but it, some, um, a laser reporter at, uh, NBC sports in DC grabbed it and basically just copied that article. Somebody from Titans wire, um, copied it and sent out that article. So it started to create a little domino effect, but fortunately they came out, apologized, everybody took it down and all was right. But it's like, you know, that's the, that's the shitty part of having a podcast is anybody can take anything you say and kind of create a headline in a story. But I've also learned now having that and being in this kind of uh, being in this industry and being in this light and having this platform that you can also control your own narrative a little better. And also if guys try to take somebody, a guest of ours out of context, I am a voice that can speak up for a player or on behalf of somebody else and bring context to light and be like, Hey, this is, you're just trying to get clicks and retweets and likes based on something that wasn't even true. Yeah. And, that, and that's a major problem. I feel like in kind of the sports media world is people just grabbing stuff and like running with it totally out of context because you can, and you see people do it all the time. And that's actually, I, I think that's part of why we wanted to do our own thing was, you know, we were kind of tired of like that whole gamut, like just chasing clicks, you know, doing, doing whatever it takes to get the most clicks. Like, for us, we want to put out like quality content and, you know, to do that, like we, we needed like an opportunity to do that without having somebody like monitoring how many clicks we were getting for everything. Like, I mean, you know, in being independent, right. you can do that. Like, so, and you guys right. know about that. Right. Because if you're not getting clicks, like you're getting pressure from somebody that is above you to generate something, and then your creative is all messed up because that's where you're good in the first place is being able to kind of just go, just go with the flow and everything and not necessarily worry too much about clicks. Like, yeah, you look at it, but it, that's that type of stuff's not driving your creative. So yeah, it was, I didn't like, I was, I was hot for a second. I knew it would get corrected, but um, 
it's it took me back because it's like, yo, you're Sports Illustrated. Like, I already know the standard that they that that publication holds themselves to, and you're working for them and kind of. He's like, oh, I just kind of, uh, you know, I didn't. I think he said something was happening in the moment that I transitioned and said this is a quote from somebody. He missed that part, and I'm like, I'm just thinking in my head like that's a very bad part to miss if you're going <laughs> to create a headline like that. Like at least know that that is exactly what's being said. But well, and they no, showed no the doubt. image of the quote, right? They showed the image up of the quote and who said it. I think it was Ashley or Elizabeth. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, but, if you if, if you're on our YouTube channel, like if you yeah. watch the episode, like it's kind of we take you through to where you don't have to pull out your phone or look at anything. Like you're able to kind of watch as we're speaking what we're talking about and everything else. So it, it just blew my mind that that was the headline that was created in a Sports Illustrated article when I was nowhere even close to saying that. Well, my big thing was writing an article, because I saw your exchange with Titans Wire, and uh, I was like, why would they write an article based on a quote from another article and not watch it themselves? Right, right. It's like, you know, I understand you trust a source like Sports Illustrated. Majority of the time, yeah, you can. But it's like, don't be that lazy to where you just grab and go because again, that person might be under a certain pressure of uh, finding storylines or getting clicks or something else. And that's easy. That's low hanging fruit to grab. Well, and, you know, they, they yeah. all emailed me and it was, they, they, they apologized. And I appreciated it. I, you know, obviously all is forgiven and um, I appreciated having that exchange with them. But uh, I mean, I was tight. I was just like, yo, like this is insane. Like this is, asinine that you are putting a headline like this and being like, Oh, I'm confident that Will Compton said this. Yeah. I, I was going to say is at least that the one guy retracted the article, retracted the tweet and did say at least the Titans wire guy and did put out a public apology. I thought that was very good of him and big of him because some people may not have done that. You just never know. Right. It's always hard to on Twitter because you go on Twitter and your guard is already up and you're, you're already kind of in a defensive mindset. If, if, if you hear anything kind of negative about yourself or when you respond to somebody, usually it's like in some kind of condescending man, uh, manner like myself most of the time. So, <laughs> so speaking of Twitter, <clears throat> I'm going to throw a hypothetical at you because I know you like them. If you have the ability, them. if you have the ability once a day while on Twitter, you're having an interaction with somebody you don't like, or you just see a comment you don't like, whatever. If you had the ability to push a button and their phone would punch that person in the face However, every time you choose this option, it sends an email to your fiance that says that Will Compton punched and it lists their name, gender, how old they are. So if you just respond to somebody who's hiding behind an avatar, your fiance could get an email that says that Will Compton decided to Twitter punch a 13-year-old boy today. Would you still do it? Yes. <laughs> I believe so. You know, hey, this Gladly. is a, it's a, yeah, it's a platform where everybody – in the world can have a, a username and a keyboard and with um with great power becomes great res great responsibility so if you're going to put some nonsense out there and you're 13 you're going to get checked you know what i'm saying <laughs> it's kind of like being a little kid like you don't want them to put their finger in the outlet and get electrocuted but they're going to have to learn the hard way every now and then <laughs> and unfortunately that's going to be the repercussions it's just it's going to be a reaction by me but you know I think it would be hilarious if my fiance got those kinds of emails. Twitter would be like, so much better. Yeah, I'd be like, yeah, you punched, it would clean uh, it up. You punched a teenage girl today? Like, for okay. what? She told me I sucked at football. 
Yeah. <laughs> she was on that trash. She was talking trash about risk. Yeah, it had yeah, to happen. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. hey, yeah. <laughs> moving, moving on. <laughs> yeah. So obviously busting with the boys has been a big hit. It was, you know, it, it, you've now transitioned into where you're part of the barstool team. How was that interaction uh, at first? Was there any trepidation or was it afterburners the second you found out? You're like, yes, this is a partnership I want to go into. Well, that's a great question. Number one, I don't even know what trepidation means. Um, so I'm going to say um, that they, they messaged us back in July, I believe, and asked if we'd be interested in talking to them. And of course, like you don't want to close any door. So you're like, yeah, for sure. Cause Taylor and I first came on a, uh, when we first started this whole thing, like obviously everyone's ego is involved and we're like, Oh, you know, we're going to build this thing and nobody's going to, nobody's going to come in and like do anything. Um, but sure shit enough, like that obviously changed. Um, but we got on the phone and I had a conversation with Erica, uh, Gaz, and I want to say it was Jen. And, um, they were kind of just picking our brain about what, what we're trying to do with it. And um, they were talking about, they identify talent. They, they want to try and uh, acquire talent, pour gasoline on that talent. They didn't want to mess anything up. They want us to do whatever we wanted to do, blah, 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 yada, yada, yada. And there wasn't really any like negotiating going on them. Obviously, you know, you're at the start of one is happening. Um, and, you know, we just kind of kept the door open. We kept the interest there. We followed up saying we were interested in talking with them. And um, Taylor was about to start training camp. I didn't know where I was going to be at the time. Um, so it'd be best if you guys would fly to us and we could sit and talk face to face to kind of gauge how interested they were. They responded back within like five minutes saying, you know, giving us a few dates and we're like, Oh damn, like, you know, this, this is serious. Like we must have something if this network, this media empire, like Barstool is wanting to sit and talk with us. So they flew in and it was funny because they actually flew in the day that they were flying in. I was nervous as shit that this was going to happen. But that's when the Saints called, and they wanted to fly me out and for a workout. And so I basically um, held off on calling my agent back as long as I could because I was going to try and get it to where, hey, I'm too late to get on a flight, but let's go out first thing in the morning. So that way I could be at the meeting that night with Barstool, and then the next morning I'll fly out. So that's basically how I maneuvered it and how I you know, manipulated the situation because I wanted to meet with them and sit down. And we ate, we ate, we went out and ate. Uh, talk shop a little bit and again we didn't really talk a whole lot of like what the process was going to look like Taylor and I basically said we wanted to finish out the year and go about this year and kind of go into football season and not have a whole lot of distraction and we don't even know where we're at we would love to continue to try to grow it this that and the other and um, then the was, the season was coming to an end we started uh, they followed they would email they would email me and follow me like when I went to the Raiders and then kind of kept up with me. We all kind of stayed in touch. And um, when uh, I want to say maybe in October, November, negotiations actually started to kind of pick up and we just told them what we wanted was to um, have creative control and own our thing. Like we did, you know, we didn't, we weren't interested in being like acquired or anything like that. They fully respected that. And, um, you know, we just, we would keep going back and forth. They would talk to us about it, what it would look like with them to a partnership because they were like, you know, if we, if we partner with anybody, usually anybody who works remote, it kind of doesn't work out or it can fails. There's risk here and there because obviously you have the example like Pat McAfee and stuff. And Taylor and I kind of just sat on it all year long and we flew out to them after the season was over 
um, got some questions answered and everything kind of made sense. I mean, they, I, I, I think very highly of Erica and that team over there. Um, they've been nothing but great to us. And, um, you know, everything's been good. Everything's been solid so far. I mean, obviously what sucks with um, doing that is you, uh, you retain some of that baggage that comes with Barstool at times. Like recently, obviously uh, people's tried uh, going after Barstool and stuff. And that always sucks because you're kind of like the new guy on the block. So you have strong opinion. You, you might have strong opinions about stuff, but it's like, you know, why do I need to feel what, you know, everybody's got all this pressure to speak up on everything these days. And if you don't, it's like your silence is complicit, blah, blah, all that. You got all these factors that go on all the time. So, you know, with that has came some baggage. Um, but we've been, we've enjoyed working with them. They've been great to us. And it's been, uh, that's kind of how that partnership manifested. And uh, we stay in con close contact with them because again, we don't want to be another, we don't want to be another podcast or brand that fails with them due to miscommunication or not, uh, you know, holding up our end of the bargain. Hope I did a good job explaining that. I know I navigated. I know I navigated a lot of situations right there in some choppy waters where it's like, yeah, what about that? You know, what about what about that stuff that comes up? But uh, you know, that's that's just, that's a lot. I gave you boys a lot right there. Is there anything you want to go back on and hit on that I pat that well, might have I, over? I kind of want to go back to the Pat McAfee thing. Do you do you listen to his new show at all or anything? Absolutely. Pat was somebody. Um, you know, we had Brendan Shaw on in August. Taylor was in camp. And I, what I would do to stalk guests is I would look up like on StubHub and I would see um, who would be coming into town, whether it's comedy, shows, musicians, anything, sports teams, any of that. And I would uh, try and get them on by timing up when they would be in town. I saw Shaw was on. And Shaw, I told him, like the fighter and the kid, the Joe Rogans of the world, all these podcasts that inspired me to make Bustin' with the Boys, they're in my journal, like writing from inspiration what I want our product to look like. So when I saw Shaw was coming to town, Shaw comes to town, we do the podcast. I'm getting to the point on Pat McAfee. But uh, Brendan was like, hey, anything you need help with, let me know. He was somebody I looked up to as an athlete transitioning into the podcast world. And it was the same with McAfee. Um, we followed each other. I kind of met Pat through Taylor because Taylor gave our pod pub to Pat. And um, Pat, Schaub, um, Andrew Hawkins, he was somebody else. All these guys have kind of mentored me throughout this entire process. When we were signing with Barstool, when we were building the pod, throughout this entire walk and journey, I'm able to kind of hit those guys up and pick their brain on how to do stuff and scale things out and build things. So those guys have been nothing but help to me. Um, I don't know a whole lot if you're going to ask about Pat and Barstool. I only know what the internet shows with them. Um, so I haven't been, uh, adamant enough to ask those kinds of questions, but those guys, Pat and all of them, they've been nothing but huge helps to me throughout this process and have had nothing but good things to say. Pat actually had great things to say about, uh, Barstool, which I was surprised with, um, given that I don't know what happened there. Well, I was going to ask if you saw this past uh, week or whatever, he was in the, I guess on Twitter trending because a professional wrestler threatened to beat the shit out of him on live on air and actually cussed yeah. at him. Did you see that? Oh yeah. Yeah. I saw that. Yeah. I think it's fake. You think, well, they're saying it's not fake, but I kind of feel like it is because it just escalated you're from not out of nowhere. Say it's fake. What do you mean? It's, you're not going to say it's fake. Yeah. Of course. I'm all about the conspiracy, man. It is what it is. He, he, he hosts for, uh, he's in the WWE world. Yeah. He's got a right. ring. He's getting in shape. Um, that. Oh, so you think he's about to wrestle? Uh, What's up? So you think Pat McAfee's about to wrestle? 
I think he's going to wrestle. I think they're going to do some pay-per-view spin with it. They're going to build a storyline up. And obviously, when it comes out that they're going to wrestle each other, then you're going to know that it was a kind of a setup because that's what the WWE's great at is building these storylines. That was, They're both adults, man. That Seeing that interaction, it escalated that quickly. Yeah. Like, that was, um, you know, hey, a great acting. They did a phenomenal job selling it. I'm bought. I'll, I'll yeah. keep up with it. But, you know, I'm not an idiot. So, what would Pat McAfee's finishing move be, and what would your finishing move be? Man, I don't know. I, I would assume Pat should should get the guy to where they're kind of on all fours. You know what I mean? Like, innocently oh. on all fours. <laughs> oh. A weird all innocently. fours. Where, yeah, to where you're like, whoa, what's going on? Like, maybe he comes up, their belly down, he grips them by their midsection and, and innocently lifts them up into the all fours position, takes a couple steps back, and then gives them – a punt kick to the face, dude. And oh, I, I want that. I, I would like that being real. Because yeah. our boy packs a leg. What my <laughs> move would be? Man, I don't even know what my move would be. I truly have no idea. Maybe maybe, uh, maybe like a, just a savvy routine, like a wrap and roll tackle. Like yeah. Stupid <laughs> shit to where people would make fun of me. And then where I could just make fun of myself on top of it. I don't know. Oh, well, what do you got? What's up? Bomb. What do what do you yell? I mean, what's what's your catchphrase? What are you gonna yell? <laughs> I don't know. I've never wanted to wrestle, so I I, <laughs> I feel weird that you're trying to put me in this box of wrestling with that magazine. I'm well, I'm huge on watching it. I love yeah. watching. I was about to say I saw time. your Stone Cold shirt during the AJ Brown interview. Uh, yeah, I'm all about WWE. I don't think I would do it. I'm not yeah. that kind of entertainer. I don't think. I don't yeah, think that's my wheelhouse of entertainment. I think Pat would do a phenomenal job with it. Yeah. yeah, and much like the Pat McAfee interview, you on your podcast you can't let things get out of hand because that bus is not big enough to start throwing hammers on. No, dude. Especially you got a big, you got a big, you got a big emotional cat like Taylor, man. You don't want, you don't need him getting too triggered to where he's trying to stun somebody through that little wood table we got. Now, listen, AJ Brown said that he could take Taylor. Do you think that AJ could? I mean, like, who are you putting your money on? <laughs> If I was a betting man, obviously I'm betting on Taylor. Now yeah, I would not sleep on AJ Brown. I felt the energy in that moment, and I was a little like, I need to wheel this in. As you saw, I was like, hey, hey, it's bust yeah. with the boys. It's the boys, man. Um, but hey, I don't, AJ wasn't playing, and yeah. I, that's the vibe I got. <laughs> I think Taylor got the same vibe, but and I don't think Taylor was playing either once he caught that vibe. So if I'm a betting man, obviously I'm going to go with the athletic big man. Uh, gotcha. But I wouldn't sleep on AJ Brown. He looks like he don't take no shit. He's like a, yeah. like a hunting badger. He looked he looked pretty serious. I mean, like I oh, thought he was serious. it he was, was cool gonna happen. He was cool, calm, and collected too, which which makes you kind of yeah. like, hey, okay, hey, you gotta watch out for them quiet dudes, man. Yeah, what does what does he know? You know, yeah, what does he know yeah. about what yeah, he's yeah, gonna yeah, do? Yeah. <laughs> no, no doubt. So talk, talk a little bit about AJ and what he was like on the bus, because obviously that episode was, was great. It was a lot of fun, and, and I personally love AJ's personality. I mean, he's like – he doesn't take any shit. He wants to win, you know, at all costs. I mean, that dude, it seems like he is all about his business, and he wants to be not just great, but the greatest. Uh, what, did, what did you take off of that talk with, with him? Man, one of the most uh, confident human beings I think I've been around – um, I sense that same kind of confidence when we had Jalen on the bus. Uh, but it's just, it's, I mean, you guys heard, you guys listen to the podcast, like you just felt what he was saying was legit. Like, you know, when guys say it's like, 
you know, when guys say, oh, I'll be the best in three years, and you're just kind of like, you know, you're, uh, I, I respect that uh, goal. You know what I mean? I respect that growth mindset. But he says it, and you're just like, oh, he's going to be he's gonna be the best in a few years. Yeah. Um, I think he's just uh, – I think he's a stud, man. Like, I throw that word around. I call Derrick Henry a stud. I call guys studs all the time. I, I legitimately think A.J. Brown's a stud. I, I would – if I'm on the Titans, I'm stoked to have him on the Titans because he's just one of those dudes that just seems kind of like, yo, let me get the rock mm-hmm. and, and watch me work after I get it. Um, but he's a stud, dude. Yeah, that was a fun interview because, again, like, I didn't know him. I had never met him. And, again, he's a rookie. And it didn't feel like you were on the bus with a rookie. And uh, definitely nothing but respect for that man. Yeah, it was uh, it was interesting. I thought the Jerry Rice story that he told was was interesting because he, right? you know, most guys, you go out to California before the draft and you're psyched to meet Jerry Rice. I mean, like, how cool was that? And to run this hill and everything. And he gets out there and he's disappointed that they didn't get to work out more. Like, what what kind of animal is like? Hey, I just want to go work, you know. I, Jerry Rice, cool, whatever. But like, I just want to grind, you know. That that's pretty awesome for a guy that talented to have that mindset. Yeah, I mean, that's it's rare because you know, like a lot of guys, like they would enjoy getting uh, the photos and stuff from that, and then posting like you know, talking about grinding and working. But to come out and have his little spin on it, be like, he'd be kind of disappointed. Like, uh, I mean, it wasn't all that, and. uh uh, he kind of felt slighted, like he wasn't that into Jerry Rice, which is crazy <laughs> because since he's a, he, Jerry's like the goat of wide receivers. But um, yeah, he, he just seems like a different breed, man. I know uh, he's a valuable asset for the Titans, and um, I know you're happy if you're throwing a deep ball to that guy. I want to talk uh, about something in that podcast that may sound really weird, but. I really love London Fletcher. And then you brought his name up and I was like, Oh boy, I'm all about some London Fletcher talk. And it's really weird because I'm not a Washington football fan by any means, but something about the way he played the game throughout his career just always caught my big defensive guy. And talk to me about London Fletcher just a little bit. I know you said some on the podcast, but for those who may have not tuned in and they should have already tuned in, but talk to us about what London Fletcher meant for you as an undrafted rookie. Dude, London. I mean, he doesn't get the nickname Iron Man for nothing. Um, that my rookie year was, you know, was his last year. So unfortunately I didn't get to see the best kind of London Fletcher. Um, this dude was always, you know, working on getting body work done. It seemed like he dug, he'd spray some WD-40 and duct tape himself to go out to practice. Um, but he's such a head-savvy guy that all I wanted to do was be a sponge around him and ask him as many questions as possible since he's, you know, known as being an undrafted guy, a come-up guy, one, probably one of the grittiest players of all time. And uh, just learn what goes on inside his head when he's seeing offenses and schemes and, uh, you know, situational football. And so that's where I feel like I benefited a lot from him. Then a few years, you fast forward a few years, and I was fortunate enough to fly out to him in North Carolina. He put me up in his house, and we kind of had like a, I guess, a little couple-day mini camp to where we watched some film. He talked to me about me a little bit about my game, and we went to a field nearby and would do drills both days. He'd get me in the sand. And uh, we did a lot of stuff that, you know, I feel like I just got to learn. I got to learn about a lot of – a lot about who he was, not only as like a player and his grind and everything, but a family man and a person and the human being he is. And uh, that was a dope visit. Uh, way, way better than AJ had with Jerry Rice. Uh, 
my visit with the goat with one of the goats in my field um, was nothing but phenomenal, and uh, I felt like you know I got to be in and do something that nobody else really gets to do. Um, so I have nothing but like love and respect for London Fletcher. I think he's I think he's all time man. That's awesome. I mean, I it's it's really weird. It's a weird correlation, but I always pick him to be on when I used to play Madden all the time and I was building a franchise, I'd always make sure I could draft him before I moved anywhere else because he was really good on Madden. And I know that's a random thing to say, but it just <laughs> it was awesome to hear his name mentioned uh, because I don't feel like outside of a few places he gets the national respect in, in a historical context that he deserves for what he brought to the game when he was on the field every day. Absolutely. I mean, you know, you know how that stuff is, man. It's like uh... – now he isn't—he is a Hall of Famer. Yeah. So he does have that recognition, but I know what you mean because he's not—he wasn't a headliner his entire life, like a Ray Lewis or somebody like that. Who just, you know, some of those guys just get recognition all the time. He's definitely an under-the-radar guy who needs to be talked about more—not from the standpoint of just playing football, but work ethic and process and showing up every day and just an example of life and playing football so I agree with you man he's a stud man I I I love that I was able to go pick his brain as a practice as a rookie and then get to go to his place a few years later and get more more knowledge from him about the game of linebacker yeah that's that's awesome so going back to the the barstool thing for a moment obviously a couple weeks ago Dave Portnoy sat down had a a one-on-one interview with the president and then Dave, or excuse me, Dan, uh, you know, Big Cat, comes out, records a podcast, and says that he was pretty upset that he wasn't even notified or addressed or, or spoken with that, that this interview was going to happen. Um, I, I just kind of want to throw that at you first. What's your opinion on that entire situation? Well, I think they're both, they're both examples of barstool sports. I think uh, both Dave and Dan are both respectively seen as uh, them. Obviously, KFC, there's a, there's a select circle of them that have built this thing into what it is. Um, and Dan and Dave are kind of the headliners for barstool sports, and they both had very differing opinions on that situation. And I think that just kind of embodies what barstool sports is about. It's very free form. You know, they let you – they let you do your thing. They try not to handcuff you at all. Um, I definitely understand, you know, again, it's like you get invited to the white house to go sit one-on-one with the president, no matter who's sitting in that seat. You know, I think you'd be remiss if you don't take that opportunity, especially if you head up uh, uh, a marketing kind of media company like Barstool. Uh, But also I, I completely get Dan's point too. Um, because once you enter into that world, especially seen as like whether Dave is seen as the head coach, whatever, once you have somebody like that, what they represent in the Barstool world, step into that political world, you are now changing the game and direction of uh, Barstool from what, you know, listening to Dan wanted to stay comedy didn't want to bring politics involved, even though politics get drugged in with them all the time, because again, it's open forum. So you have people commenting on blogs. You guys see, I mean, you guys are probably going through that stuff and will and, and do probably have probably already individually. But, um, you know, I think all of it just kind of embodies what Barstool Sports is about. I don't think either of them's 
right, wrong, and different. Again, like I have my lane and bubble of busting with the boys. It's not like I'm at HQ all the time and my opinion's worth anything to them. Um, you know, but watching it all, watching it all unfold, I think it's, I think that's the fashion. That's the foundation of what Barstool wants to be about in the first place is having no, I, those opinions. I, I know exactly what you mean. And it's, it's frustrating, especially as we moved from just a smaller podcast into now, obviously we have a, a bigger group of guys with, with Broadway sports media. I, I've almost completely stopped talking politics on Twitter because the number of responses I would get that would center around just stick to sports or why would you even weigh in on this became frustrating because I thought, well, you have another job and you're on Twitter telling me your opinion. Yeah. Hey, okay. Else is a sports. You mind telling me your job so I can tell you what to stick to. <laughs> right. right. And now I'm about to push that punch someone in the face Twitter button that I have access to <laughs> once a day. How no. the seventh grader. But it's just, I guess let me ask this as a follow-up. Lawan calls you and says, I have booked Politician X, and they're coming on tomorrow. Basically, you had no say-so. They're coming on. We're recording this episode. I mean, does that piss you off as the co-host that you are not consulted beforehand? Is that something to where you feel like it's going to take your podcast down a road that you don't want to go? Yeah, for sure. I mean, if if – you know, if you, when you put it, when you like, when you put it like that, it's in my mind, or I don't, we're, I mean, of course we're nowhere near a Barcelona sports, but I don't, we don't, Taylor and I don't have any of that kind of friction. Like we might talk about guests a little, you know, should we have this person on or not have this person on because we only do one a week. So we only get 52 shots a year. Um, so I don't think that would, that wouldn't happen. Yes. That would piss me off for sure. Um, and I was actually listening to the token CEO earlier today, Erica Nardini. Um, she does that podcast. Who's the CEO of Barstool sports. And she was actually weighing in on all of it and was very um, regretful and um, apologetic about not including Dan and said it just eats at her and chews her up. And um, they definitely, they definitely felt like that mistake was made by not allowing him to be in that conversation. Um, because I do think Dan's point, would have been a great weight in option. I, I, and even if they did talk about it, I think they, they might've went that route, but at least they talked about it since they're all partners in the whole gig. But yeah, I mean, if Taylor did something like that, uh, yeah, I'd be pissed off. And if I did something like that, I know he'd be pissed off. So um, that's the whole part of the communication, man, because once, once power undermines a system, the system fails. And so if you're in a partnership or anything with anybody, you got to make sure everybody's communicating and talking at all times, even when it's hard as shit. Um, because, you know, as you guys will learn or you probably learned or know in other endeavors you've done, like that stuff matters, man. You're in a marriage when you start business with somebody. So it's important that everything's kind of on the table and uh, you guys kind of talk to those tough conversations. No, Absolutely. of course. I want to shift a little bit to obviously COVID is the only thing we can talk about these days because it's everywhere. It's it, most of us have been stuck inside or stuck isolated for four and a half months what do you think the biggest impact of a, a COVID shortened training camp schedule is? How does it impact veterans? How does it impact undrafted free agents? Just, you know, what, what are your opinions on it? You know, it's unfortunate. It, it, it sucks, man. You know, we, you don't get a full training camp. Um, everywhere is kind of every, I mean, every angle is kind of hurt unless you're, unless you're a superstar, unless you're in that 1% of the, of the 1% of the league. Um, everyone's kind of feeling some kind of pressure and stress from it because even those guys who are the superstars, you feel a little bit of stress and pressure because 
you might have a lot of money on the line if the if the season gets shortened up. It's a lot of dollars out of your that you miss out on, a lot of dollars out of your pocket, and you might be doing a lot of things off the field where you're planning on certain money to where you've spent a certain amount. Like there's so many factors that everyone in the everyone in America in the world is being affected by with COVID. Um, but as far as football and specifically the guys that I'm used to, the grinders, the grit and spit of the world. Um, those guys are infected heavily. The undrafted rookie guys are super affected by it because not only do you not have preseason games, but you're only going to have about, uh, I forget the exact number, but eight to eight to 12 padded practices maybe to show something. And even then, like, you know, you got, if, if you then put yourself in the coach, your the coach's shoes and the GM and the, the management shoes, it's, are we trying to figure out and have position battles and figure out our 53 or are we kind of leading on what we know, what we're probably going to have to work with and getting our starters ready for weeks one and two. You know what I'm saying? It's getting those guys ready for week one is obviously the answer. So with that in mind, I can only assume that once you're getting in those practices, those guys who are the bottom 40, you know, the bottom, like, you know, 40 through 80 on the roster, um, those guys are going to probably be looking at scout cards and getting very limited opportunities to show that they uh, digested a playbook and can execute it and show coaches that, hey, they have they, – they can be competitive. They can bring value to a football team. So I think that's what sucks, man. It's like everyone can feel some type of stress in their own world about it. Um, at the end of the day, like, you just – I don't know. You're going to have to, you're going to have to find a way to those dudes who are on the bubble. They're going to have to find a way. Um, but it's, it sucks, dude. It's, uh, it's going to be interesting how it plays out with vets like myself. I think there's not a benefit, but there's a, there's a pro that, uh, you know, plug and play guys are going to be a little bit more of a necessity when figuring out your roster, because I think you're going to learn how guys are digesting a playbook and how quickly they can get it turned around and execute it. Patience is going to be minimal with guys, um, error repeaters and all that stuff to find like, Hey, go get a vet because we got to get ready to win this year. So let, I want to backtrack to the undrafted free agents. Cause obviously you were an undrafted free agent and there was a, uh, a tweet from another Titans fan account that considers themselves. A, um, they do a podcast and stuff, but anyway, they said, if I am an undrafted rookie with no substantial income, I'll make the sacrifice to not see my loved ones for five or six months to better my chances to substantially support them. Don't single out oh, – that had nothing to do with it, but talking about singling out a scenario. And he went on later to say, I would make the sacrifice for the next five to six months of staying away from anyone high risk in my family in order to play. That's just me. What – how do you feel about that statement? Is that too definitive of a statement or is that, you know, you're an undrafted free agent, you worked hard to get your roster spot, or do you agree that maybe these undrafted free agents that are deciding to opt out should, especially considering they don't get any kind of this, they don't get the stipend or anything. Do you think they should risk it for five or six months? Like the guy says. Um, I, 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 I vibe with that article. I vibe with that statement. I mean, you know, at the end of the day, you spin it and lay in bed and think about it as much as you want. Um, but the world and everything is, is unfortunately cutthroat and it's nasty out in the streets, dude. And is and the world is a business. And if you want to play football, 
and that is your number one goal, then you do what it takes to play football. Uh, for me, as an undrafted rookie, um, for me, if the sacrifice this year was to be away from my fiance and away from my household and quarantine and be alone in a hotel room or some shit like that, I would do it because everyone's circumstances are different. My circumstances and priorities in life and everything else. Now that, that sounds like that can be taken out of context. All oh, your priorities and prices, the priorities in life is to play a game. It's like, Oh, okay, fine. Like good, go ahead. Like cancel me for that. But it's like, we, we all get to live our own life and you can digest the data how you want. And you can, you can risk it for the biscuit. And for me, I would, I would quarantine and be away and do the protocols to play football. If we're talking in terms of playing football, because that's what it's coming down to right now. I, there is more to life than football. And if guys feel that way to where that is affecting and moving their decision, I am all for that too. Like if I don't play another snap, I know I'm okay and at peace with the decisions I've made to whether or not sign with the team in the off season and take that chance to wait it out in the year and see if somebody needs somebody like I know for me, yeah, life is more than this game of football. Um, I know it's very short lived to chase and go after what you want the most in your life. So understanding that, knowing that, having a partner who understands that about me, having a partner that supports that and my circle supporting that and my environment that I've kind of created and cultivated to support that and my own self and my own well-being, like I would do it for five or six months, but I do, I, like, I don't, um, I appreciate and respect everybody's decision on it. Um, I do want to say that, like anybody who does, you're, they, everybody has their reasons and I'm, I'm with it. It's not like I bat an eye, shake my head at it, like do any of that or call them a pussy or nothing like that. Like everyone has their own situation and circumstances. You got to weigh those risks. And at the end of the day, you got to lay in, lay your head on your pillow at night and be okay with whatever decision you make. If you want to play football bad enough, which a lot of people claim they do, but if you, if your goal is playing football, then you do what it takes to play football. If your goal, if there's, if, if you have some other stance, that's fine. I respect that. And everyone appreciates that too, but it kind of sucks how you got to get put in these boxes for guys that want to all play football and do this for five, six months. Some of us are just different. Not that that means we're better. Like call me an idiot. Like I'm saying I'm ignorant, but you know what I mean? Like, you know, so it's not like I'm telling you to follow my lead. I'm just, that's, that would be my decision. Like it, because I know at that point in my life, when I was an undrafted rookie, I wanted football and to make the Washington football team. I wanted to make the Washington football team's football team as bad, (laughs) as bad as anything. Um, so for me, I would have made that decision and I would have went about doing that because the the game is fleeting. Life is fleeting. Moments are fleeting and you're going to be old one day and wrinkled and no one's going to give a damn. Uh, no one's going to give a damn about all these decisions that happened years ago. And only you're going to be the one that regrets it. If you feel like you might regret something like that. Yeah. I I wrote a, uh, Go ahead. Well, just ahead, real Sam. quick, I sh- I guess I should attribute. I don't think I attributed the uh, tweet to anybody. So it's Salmon Freddy of Titans Brawl on the Brawl Network. I just wanted to make sure I attributed correctly. Yeah, you gotta you gotta show the credit and stuff. And, yeah. and again, it's like I'm sitting there saying if, and I understand. I feel like you gotta cover all of those bases on speaking on something like that because again, people can just. I mean, dude, it, you guys know what's going. On. It's stuff's running rampant out there on social media nowadays, and you can get. Uh, 
you can get attacked for anything. So. Oh, absolutely. And, and I love your mindset. So I, you wrote a blog post recently on Barstool about uh, the UDFA mindset and kind of how you, how you would advise the guys that were in the situation that you were in, what, seven or eight years ago now uh, to approach things. And I, I just want you to talk a little bit about that. Cause I, I loved what you wrote in there and about kind of, to me, it's, it's, you don't take the victim's mindset, like nothing. You're not a, you're not at the mercy of your circumstance. You have some control and what you need to control what you can control. And if you do that, then you can live with what happens from there. But just talk a little bit about like what you wrote in there. Cause I think it's, it's useful information. Even like I read it as somebody who's not a, an athlete professionally, obviously. Um, <laughs> and I, I was like able to apply a lot of that stuff to my personal life and my business. Um, so I, I think it really goes beyond football, but um, talk a little bit about like what you wrote in there and, and kind of how you, that mindset has affected your life. I'm fired up. You took something from it because yeah, when I do write the, when I wrote that piece and I think about those things, I always speak in terms from my own experience and my own kind of knowledge. And that's obviously football. Uh, but these are things like I, I apply and try to live to the best of my ability. Um, and it's about, you know, it's about this freaking quote right here. Being, being do you, are we cussing on here? Yeah, oh yeah. We fucking cuss. Yeah. yeah good a family fucking but I always talk about being, being a fucking wolf and I'm not a wolf all the time. Like, I, like every human being, we all wake up and we all want the easiest thing to do the easiest route, the, everything dude. And for me, three words always stick, stick with me through core values and everything else. And it's adapt, improvise and overcome. Like no one, um, no one gives a shit ultimately what happens to you. I, that sounds harsh. And I don't mean to sound harsh when I say that, but ultimately no one cares. And, um, and I, you know, I say that harshly, but I also have a lot of great personal relationships. I know a lot of people care about me. I care about a lot of people. I do need to say that as well. Um, but what I mean by that is when you lay down at nighttime, it's you and you with your own stresses, you know, Hopefully you have a significant other, you have a better half who understands some of your stress and takes it on with you, but they're still going to fall asleep before you and you're still going to be awake at night and your mind's going to be going hundred miles an hour about some decisions that might've happened, a result that might've played out that you didn't like, an expectation out there, a pressure, whatever the case may be. And the next day, the sun is going to rise and the world is going to continue to move and spin and everybody's going to do their own shit because they're not going to be worrying about what choice Will Compton is making. They're going to hope for the best. Oh, he made the right decision there. But is that person going to hold my hand and take me through life now because they 100% wholeheartedly agreed with what I said or a decision I made? The answer is no. And, you know, no one cares about your situation the way you do. No one cares about your passions the way you do. No one cares about your goals uh, the way you do. And no one gives a shit about the stresses the way you do. Uh, so it's, it's about having – that mindset that in every choice that is made from the moment you victimize yourself, feel bad, feel excited, feel passionate. It's all in the energy you give it. It's all, I like to call it BDE dude, big dick energy. You're either going to have big dick energy the next day when the sun rises, or you're going to play a victim's a victim's mentality. You're going to blame circumstances. Stress isn't factual. It's the meaning you give the facts. And 
when you understand that, like for me early on, understanding the psychology of everything and understanding that no one's coming to save me, no one, people feel bad that I might be injured or hurt or in these tough situations, but no one's truly coming to save me and taking me from point A to point B where I want to get to. It's going to come down to me and the choices and decisions I want to make. So if I want this ultimate thing, this ultimate priority in my life, and it's my own walk, it's my own priority, it's my own one. I better cultivate everything in my power around that process to attain that. Now, you know, you might need resources and uh, people and stuff like that to help you along the way, but it's up to you to be resourceful and it's up to you to tap in into all those choices and decisions. So I know I went on a mini little TED talk there, but that's kind of where that whole mindset and uh, mentality comes from. And I've been very fortunate to read a few books, listen to some YouTube videos and have mentors surround surround myself with mentors and coaches and, and peers that have um, held me accountable, helped me laid out some of these goals and, and execute these processes. I fucking love it. I mean, that was yeah. like inspirational. Kind of gave me up. goosebumps a little bit. <laughs> I'm fired up. I need you to call me every morning and just repeat what you just said and I'll just, I'll fucking conquer the world. I'm telling you. But, Dude, but is that not the truth though, man? It like, is. It's just you and you, bro. Yeah. Like I can, I can, I'll use it in terms of simply tweeting. I can say something that people want to hear and people will be on board and love it. But that next morning, all those people ain't texting me and making sure I'm get I'm accomplishing the goals that Will Compton want to accomplish. Like, Mike, you're not going to sit there and put aside everything you want, all your ambitions to make sure because you agreed or you vibe with something that I'm talking about or doing. You're like, man, I wish him well. But you're going to go fucking sleep on your pillow, some nice little tempur bed that you probably bought with your new little job at Broadway Sports, and you're going to sleep well, and you're going to wish me the best. A few years down the road, you're either going to see me climb and be like, man, that fucking he, – he had a good mentality from the beginning. Or it's going to be like, man, uh, whatever happened to Will Compton? And you're not going to give a shit. Like, that's just the way it is. It's the same with sport. It's the same – the mentality all these guys need to have, knowing that, like, hey, no one's going to hold your hand and no one's coming to save your ass. Speaking of goals, where where is bussing with the boys in five years, ten years down the road? I dabble, I dabble all the time in that in those thoughts. I, I have a lot of like aspirations and ambitions with everything I do. Um, man, five to ten years. Who knows if people are going to be laughing at those dumbass jokes in five to ten? <laughs> First of all, you'll need you'll need a knock on wood, the boy Taylor, to retiring a Titan. <laughs> being a legend that I know he will be a hall of famer that I know he will be. Um, hopefully I get to uh, be his biggest fan and supporter because my ass isn't going to be playing that long. My body hurts and I'm just, oh, I, I, I'm getting closer to being over it. But um, I don't know, man, you know, I have, uh, we'll see. We'll see. Like I want to start potentially do another pod. Um, I would like to dabble in my personality, man. Like continue, like it's confusing as shit. It confuses me all the time, but I take a lot of things I do really fucking seriously. And then I'm also somebody who's very pro don't take life too seriously. Because again, like, you know, you got to enjoy it and smell the roses while you're grinding and, and, and being a motherfucker in this, in this world. <laughs> uh, but I don't know. I would love to use my personality. I would like to uh, add value to people by whether it's through entertaining or through these little mini TED talks, if I can get some other small times, some other small podcasts to let me come on and spout off about how you should think. Um, but yeah, I would love to do something in that route. I don't know. I don't know. Five to 10 years is a long way down the road. I would, I would love to uh, 
create a blueprint and help other athletes learn about tapping into their potential and personalities beyond the football field and being kind of like, uh, I don't know if beacon's the right word or an example of you can dabble in something else while you're playing football. Will does it. And the reason I like being um, out there and active on social all the time is just showing the standpoint that you don't have to be some superstar to be vocal and be out there and have a podcast or use your personality and write blogs, talk about insecurities and talk about what goes on in the mind, in the mind of somebody like myself that I feel like I can relate in the aspect of the, I call it the working man's NFL player. You gave me that title. Um, but, but yeah, man, I think uh, I would like to do something in that avenue of some that'd, sort. That'd be really cool because we were actually talking about this um, during the string of arrests that happened like a few months ago with like DeAndre Baker, Quentin Dunbar, all those guys got arrested. We were talking about starting up a, um, a, a kind of like a life coach for players to keep players out of trouble, but also to teach them, um, you know, what don't tweet don't go out and do this but also what can you do outside to kind of like promote yourself right and i think that would be like perfect it, we were going to call it uh i think uh the lions firm sports agency or something like that so when i build that up i don't think lions we agreed did, on that name the lions we did not agree on that name the wolf did the wolf did the wolves did there we'll call it the wolf did and then we'll start this for players and we can give them financial advice but also you know it's if you're drunk and at home, it's probably not good to put your gun in your car and go out drive and start waving it around when you get pulled over. You know, like you know, simple no life advice. Dude, I would um, I would love to uh, be a mentor of some capacity to guys. I feel like I get kind of some mentorship with my own friends and getting to be we call it think tanks and stuff like that. But uh, helping guys out um, because I feel like when I'm around the workout rooms and stuff like that, like guys will listen to what's going on just because you played for a certain amount of years and you're kind of somebody who's had to climb and be in a lot of different roles and you're taking risks by like, you know, being a free agent and continuing to put yourself out there with stuff. Uh, but dude, I would love the whole mentor route. I've always been a big proponent of uh, having a mentor in your life. You should have a mentor in your life. That's above you. You should have a mentor with you. That's next to you. That's kind of on your level an accountability buddy. And you should have somebody below you, somebody younger that you're always mentoring to, uh, you know, to continue to stay there, hold yourself accountable. And, uh, yeah, I think everybody needs it, man. It's, it's a, it's a constant mental battle. It's a constant mental game out there. And if you don't have your mental, right, if you're not taking care of your chickens and your mental dude, <laughs> you know, it can, it can unravel quick on you. Is that you what need- happened with Jay Cutler? He quit taking care of his chickens and that's why <laughs> he, he, he quit mentoring. That's what happened. Yeah, you no doubt. He probably quit. He probably quit mentoring, dude. That uh, color stuff's hilarious. You, you guys need to get cut on the pod. That needs dude, to. Dude, I, I want to. I've been trying to. You know, it was a touchy time when we were trying to get him because that's when the divorce and stuff happened. Oh, but yeah. I would love to have Cutler on the podcast. I think he's. I think he's grade A personality for our kind of podcast. No when uh, can we get Gruden on the podcast, John Gruden? And can you do a Gruden impression? <laughs> We get Gruden, I, you know, I think we'll have to get a situation to where Barstool sends us on a little tour, a little trip, so we can go attack certain guests and get, and bring the bring the podcast to them other than get them in the bus and get people to Nashville. It's hard getting people to Nashville, man. It's hard counting on football players because we are flaky as shit. And we will uh, – we will uh, – we will uh, 
accept any offer and back out last minute and blame it on something with football because our lives are too busy. Um, but as far as a Gruden impression, uh, I'll tell you what, man, at Will Compton, he's a weird dude, man. Hey, hey, uh, Will Compton, hey, you're tougher to sign than Keyshawn Johnson, man. What, what gives? What are we doing? <laughs> that is pretty good, I have to say. That was, that was actually solid. That was really yeah. damn good. <laughs> Killed it. Not like Will, Frank think, Caliendo. Will, I think you need an app. This is something I just thought of. You need to develop an app called Are You Fucking Up? And it's essentially, here's what it is. It's a set of drop-down boxes that a player can have, and only players can have this. But you go down and you select your current situation, your level of intoxication, your mood, whatever it is. And if at any point they select something that is something you would not advise on doing, it automatically calls your phone. And you have the list of shit they've selected. You can go, okay, you've had a lot to drink. You may have smoked something and you're thinking about going to McDonald's in that brand new Lamborghini Huracan. <laughs> that's not a great idea. I'm just here to tell you that's a, that's a huge mistake. You're fucking up just so you get back. Hey, you're, you're fucking yeah, up. Yeah, exactly. That's the only thing. No, you don't even have to go through the list. You just pick up the phone and you say, hey, how you doing? It's Will Compton. You're fucking up. That would that'd be funny, dude. You're going to make this app for me? You're going to build this thing out? <laughs> yeah. I'm going to build this app for I haven't done by the end of the podcast. Hey, we might have to, uh, we might have to get some uh, get some rumors going, get some get some pub going about some collaboration in the future, man. Broadway sports, bust with the boys, you know what I'm saying? I mean, I like it. I like where I'm this all, is headed. I'm all about starting some rumors if that's what we have to do. <laughs> would you guys would, would you guys sell the barstool sports? I mean, we would. I don't think we'd rule anything out. There you go. That's, that's for right sure. There. Yeah. That is that's the, for sure. We would weigh all right. options and look at it very thoroughly. I have an ambition. I put out this tweet that, hey, Barstool Nashville, don't sleep on the boys. I think I am uh, – I'm ambitious enough and would go after it enough to build some value, to build enough value around the boys that it could make sense to bring a, a Barstool Nashville on the scene, dude. Okay. NASCAR is coming. We all know an MLB team's going to come. We're not Chicago yet, like Barstool Chicago. Yeah. However, there's no chokehold on the market. Right. You I mean, it's, it's wide open. Sure. It's wide open. A lot of good personalities in that local Nashville that people haven't tapped into. And, I, you know, yeah. I know a good crew. We're partnered with a good company that can embrace these personalities. And I think, I think putting it with my retired ass one day, I, you know, I think there are a lot of good, a lot of good uh, magic, a lot of good uh, – a lot of good uh, babies would come from it. That's a weird Ooh. analogy, but that's the one. A I'm lot of good with. babies. I, I'm, I, I'm, I'm out of the babies. I'm, I'm in on <laughs> I'm babies. Out of the babies. I'm no totally babies. in on babies. So it's it's more of like the metaphor of like bussing, barstool, bar like Broadway sports personalities, whatever, making babies, making a baby. Oh yeah, yeah. it's weird. Hey, we, it's a very very. Uh, that's very. Uh, I spoke before really thinking about it. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, that's the only reason why this podcast exists that we're on. It's called before we thought about it. And that's what I'm saying. I just, you know, when you go to sleep at night, don't not think about it. Just keep that in mind that, hey, Will was talking about some shit earlier. Yeah, Will, Will was talking about making some babies. Uh, and yeah. That might be a weird way to fall asleep. I don't know. That might that <laughs> might have to be one of the selections on the app of you select that and then Will calls you and says, I don't know, man. I yeah, know, I know about these making babies. Yeah. Hey, all the Broadway sports guys, I apologize for poaching your talent. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of babies, you just got a puppy, right? Like in the last few months. Oh, she's the and goodest girl in the bulldog? world. Dude. Yes. 
Okay, so I have a French bulldog named Huxley. Now, I don't know if you know this. Bulldogs have this penchant for, or this, uh, they have this habit of being able to get on skateboards and actually skateboarding. I know. Have we you plan seen on getting this? Waffle going. Yes. I have not seen it, but I believe, yes. I believe that Waffle will be one of these dogs. I'm trying to get my fiance to buy a skateboard so we could try it with Huxley. He, make- but he has bad hips. I don't know. Well, they all do. I now I uh, I believe they make bulldog specific skateboards as well. Oh wow! Well, shit! I'm just gonna buy one. Fuck I think they just have it. After this podcast, I'm buying one. They're the best. Another thing, the the worst part about them is you gotta wipe their ass. Yeah. Well, that's <laughs> like not mine. I mean, you mine, my poops clean. It's a clean cut. No. Your no dog? Dribble. Yeah. Wait, I don't wait, believe you gotta that. wipe bulldog's ass. I've, Bro, I've like the bulldog will take she'll t- she'll take a shit waffle. God bless her. She'll take a shit and waffle. she'll have like a little she'll have like uh these the, like these little fucking uh, turtle heads that stay there. Small little mini turtle heads. The little prairie dogs. We, now we had that problem, but we switched food. We switched food to freeze dried food that we rehydrate, and poop is fine. Haven't had an issue with poop. Well, we got we got that issue. I got I got to wipe her ass every time. God bless her. <laughs> and another thing, does your bulldog get excited when you come home? Oh yeah, loves it. Now he just now started getting uh, boners, which is really odd because he hasn't. We've had him for two and a half years, never seen a boner before. But recently, he fa- he falls asleep on our couch on a crook, and he woke up and started looking at Lauren, and started air humping, and then got. <laughs> for whatever reason got this huge boner and but like he's half awake half asleep so i don't know if it was like a you know a pre-dream boner or whatever but he's gotten boners but not not when i come home i mean like the the boner is away the penis is away when i get home but he's definitely a boner starer guy huh really weird that's a yeah that's an interesting little wormhole we went down right yeah. there yeah th- my, thank, uh, for, thank yeah. you for leaving it there for me to navigate the fuck out of this <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> always like leaving lebowski with really weird uh stuff to try to navigate from yeah <laughs> yeah really, really, where's your great really segue from dog boners <laughs> well speaking uh, yeah. of dog boners yeah speak speaking of dogs and air hopping uh will yeah, he's like, these days um the kingdom I'm watching Kingdom on Netflix right now. Um, that's been tough getting into a lot of different shows. I'm actually into Kingdom. It's about like this MMA and keeping this fight gym open. Are you guys aware of this? No, I haven't seen but that. Now oh, I yes, know. yes, yes. I haven't finished it. I went through two seasons, but I haven't finished it. A lot of drama, man. Yeah, it's good. A lot it's of drama. Really right out the gate from episode one. So I've been uh, – we've, we've been on that. We're still on season one right now. So we've been watching that. But it's been – it's been tough out there. I feel like what what have we watched during uh, COVID during quarantine? I know my fiance watched Outer Banks. I did not watch that. Um, what did we watch recently that we were sad that it? Oh, oh, Money Heist. Is that good? My Money dad heist. talked about that. Phenomenal, dude. Have you watched? Because it? it's dubbed. It's overdubbed. It's dubbed over, right? Hang on, I, I hear I hear some grumblings. What, what's going on? Oh no, it's just dubbed over, right? No, Lebowski, Mike, you guys had comment? Uh, Have you guys seen it? No, oh, no, I haven't, I haven't, I haven't seen, seen it. it. No, 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 I haven't seen it yet. Dude, it's phenomenal. Is yes, it, it is dubbed over. It's weird, and you're like, I was telling uh, Charles, I was like, this is going to suck. 
because it's like you know, obviously they're speaking in Spanish or whatever, and then they have voiceovers for Americans. So you're like, this is gonna suck. But hey, best show that I've watched so far in 2020. Nice. Wow. And I'm telling you, it's great, man. You're gonna get connected with the characters. It's phenomenal. I'm gonna have to check it out. I'm on Succession right now. Succession have you is seen great, that? dude. It's yes. unbelievable. We just When's finished the that next one up. Coming out? I think it's it was supposed to be like later this year, but I'm not sure if that got pushed. Yeah, but, that's a phenomenal show too, dude. A lot of good drama. Unbelievable. It, and the the use of fuck off in that show is yeah. just choice. Yeah. There, somebody made a super cut on YouTube of succession characters saying fuck off, and it's one of I have to watch it like every week or so. Just dude, the best part. The best part now when you and watch Succession, just think of think of the founder, the CEO, the grandpa is Dean Pease. That's exactly who Dean Pease looks like. So every time I watch Succession, I think I'm getting to listen to Coach Dean Pease in a, a team meeting again. That's fantastic. No Logan, Logan Roy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Logan Roy, yep. Love it. Yeah, there's no way I'm going to be able to see that. So um, I still – I don't know how to navigate away from the dog penis thing that he just threw us into <laughs> yeah, this black really hole. Yeah, that was really weird. He's like, you're super into boners. I'm like, okay, this is a weird conversation. <laughs> well, I'm not but, super but, into but, boners. But, uh, just my I dog think, likes having them for whatever I think, reason. I think there's probably going to be some funny, some humor at the end of the tunnel, and we're going to navigate away from – I think boners is going to be the peak. And then yeah. it got even weirder <laughs> with the air humping and, like, he likes looking at boners, and then it was just like – I just don't – Oh, I don't, he I don't was even know where to go. That should weird. be the first thing you select on that app, that the second you choose anything related to that subject, immediately Will picks up the phone and says, stop. Like, that's, yeah. you're not even <laughs> fucking up. You're just yeah, you're beyond yeah. my help. Delete the app. <laughs> no doubt. No doubt, dude. Um, Will, I, I really appreciate you taking the time to come on, man. Um, it's always a blast when we have you on. Actually, I was telling the guys before we got on, usually I kind of make a list of topics and I'll kind of list them out as the episode starts. I didn't want to do that with you. Because I wanted to open the floodgates and let it roll. Because we had you on for the draft, it was an absolute fucking blast. Dude, that was fun. When everything opens back up and if I'm still unemployed, dude, we'll have to do stuff in person. No doubt, yeah. We we love to do pots in person, ideally. They're, yeah, That's they're way more fun. fun. Taylor and I, I, we hated doing Zoom pods, man. Yeah, I, yeah the Zoom pods are driving us nuts. I do have to ask this, Will, because obviously you're, you're in podcasting. When you're away from the mic at any extended time, do you feel the need to like want to be in front of a microphone and run your mouth? I, I feel that way. That's why I'm asking you that. Um, I don't know if I've gotten to that point yet, but anytime certain topics come up, I'm always like, I want to talk about that on the podcast. Just, I feel like the, the mic gives you a freedom. It gives you obviously a freedom to, you know, speak and have your own voice yeah. and, and shit like that. But also there's a little bit of like, you realize how fleeting certain things are about how people think and how long you're going to last on a certain topic to where you're like, okay, I mean, that was, we fucking talked about that a long time ago. Who gives a shit now? So you kind of almost have like this, okay, yeah, I might've said that, but no, who cares now? Like it sounds like it's being talked about, Like you get like a freedom in yourself to where you just kind of don't give a fuck. Well, do you feel like you have that? How, what? No, I'm, listen, I do. I'm, I'm getting to the point now and that's, this is going to sound really narcissistic, but I've gotten to where I enjoy podcasting so much that there was a period of time before we started the Broadway sports thing that we, we were kind of recording infrequently, probably only once a month, sometimes only like once every six weeks. And I found myself in that period of like six weeks where I was like, I, I want to get in front of a microphone, even if it's just drivel that comes out. I just want to talk. Yeah, maybe I'll experience that one day. I haven't gotten there yet. 
he started getting all shaky and like hey, nervous and stuff. Like, oh, I've got to let people know how unimportant important I am. As long as you, as long as you say shit like that, and you can jab yourself and trip yourself. Like that's what makes it so fun. It's just like, exactly. yeah, yeah, of course I'm definitely an idiot. Like don't listen to me. It's just, you know, we're trying to tell you we're trying to entertain and be funny and shit like that. Like, don't take what I say as the Bible. That's right. Well, before but, we uh, wrap up, uh, plug your podcast for us. Dude, busting with the boys. Go like, subscribe, rate five stars, chirp Broadway sports in our reviews so we can read them on our podcast. Uh, but hey, you guys know the game, man. Definitely, I'll continue to plug. Busting WTB, Instagram, Twitter. Uh, we have a YouTube channel, Busting with the Boys, to where we take you on the full. We take you on the full episode. You don't even have to get out your phone to search what we're talking about. It'll be right there in front of you. Our squad does a great job: Alex Legos, Zach Patton, Josh Butler, J- uh, CBD Jack, um, Garrett. Shout out all the boys, man. Eli, all, everybody, Bloss, everybody in the house. They do a great job. Uh, but yeah, go listen to our podcast. We have a lot of fun, a lot of conversations you're not going to hear. Nobody, no active players are out there doing it at all like we are. So I think uh, I think people have a lot of fun listening to us. It's honestly it. fantastic. It's one of the few like can't miss pods in my rotation. So dude, let's go. That fires me uh, up. Yeah, it is. It truly is. That's how'd not- you like AJ? How'd you like AJ's? It was great. Yeah, I mean, uh, like AJ was awesome. I, I have trouble like ranking it versus like the other pots. Like I loved Delaney, you know, early on. I loved uh, Derek Henry. I thought was great on there. Uh, y'all have had so many great guests. So like, it's hard to like put it in the rankings, but AJ was definitely up there for me. Just cause like, I felt like so much of his personality, even though he was like a little like low energy to start, I felt like, but he like opened, started yeah. to open up. You could yeah. like start to feel his personality come through. I thought that was really cool. For sure. No, honestly, doubt. Will, it's turning into, and I do mean this seriously, for me, it's starting to turn into episodes of it are becoming like the football podcast version of Howard Stern to where each episode kind of has its own energy and it's just like, here it is. So I agree with Mike. It's hard for me to rank individual episodes because I like them for what they are. Like the, I, I just, I don't know. It's hard for me to explain, but it, it, please take it as a compliment because it's uh Oh dude, I do. I'm just, I, I really I'm do like it. I was trying to not talk that entire time. That way I can go and listen and grab that, grab this little snippet that you had, because I think you, we you definitely battle. Like, is there an expectation that you have to deliver something like, whether it's just me and Taylor bullshit and like being obnoxious, whether you have like a Darren Waller on and you're like, Holy shit. Or you have like the Jalen's or the AJ's on. You're just like, you don't know. Like we always have so many kind of different guests. We like it that way, but you're also always curious what people think. Like, are we hitting them? Like, are we hitting people's mark and shit like that? But you guys know how it is. Like you get wrapped up in that. Like you're just hurting yourself. Like, you oh, know, of course. Like, oh, yeah. Yeah. No, yeah of course. Y'all do a great job. And, and I do like, like Lebowski said, it's, it's different every week. And that's, that's great because I feel like, you, uh, you know, you, Get, find yourself in a rut otherwise and you know all the podcasts kind of run together and then like it becomes easier to miss an episode and it's like ah, I, I know what that one was probably like but with you guys uh, yeah. I feel like you keep it fresh so well good I fucking love it boys I appreciate you yeah I love it well ladies and gentlemen what else could you ask for Will Compton buzzing with the boys fantastic episode as always and that is going to do it for us at football and other f-words now proudly part 
on our happy asses at Broadway Sports Media. You can find us at broadwaysportsmedia.com. Please rate, review, rescribe our podcasts. I think I just said rescribe. I don't really care. I'm not going to go back and change that. But anyways, you know what to do. If you like us, please tell your friends, relatives, significant others that you listen. Get them to listen as well. For Mike Herndon, Zach, who is no longer joining us on camera and talking about dog penises, and of course, O'Compton, you have just been effed. A Broadway Sports Media Production.